We are at Tara's new apartment. We are in my apartment and there is a tiny table and my desk chair and a camp chair. And that is our setup and it is very adorable. I was like, where are you going with this? There is a tiny pregnant pause table. <laughs> we did have a tiny bottle of champagne. We did. Everything in Tara's house is tiny. <laughs> It is very difficult for me to exist in this very small space. You li- Oh my god, you do. You live in a hobbit house. Uh, well, yeah, I am a hobbit. It's so, so perfect. Which hobbit are you? What are their names? Oh, you what don't are know- all their names? Name all the hobbits. Go. <laughs> I just wanted to know which hobbit you are. I think you're Mary. Is Mary a lady? No. Mary is the smarter of the two that kind of tag along. I'm Mary. On Frodo Frodo and Sam's journey. Pippin's a little dumber. They're both game for whatever. I think Mary is clever in game things. This is not a Lord of the Rings podcast. Right. You're actually a bit more Bilbo, which is also me. This bitch is trying to call me a bimbo dildo. (laughs) (laughs) The nerve. We are doing a little champagne toast. Yes. Literally a little champagne toast because it was a little The little tiny bottle of champagne that my friend Joe gave me. I popped the cork and I slammed it against the wall because there's nothing set up in this room. (laughs) We christened the place. Is there an echo? There's probably not an echo. It's really not big enough for that. Yeah, and you have carpet as well. There is carpet, yes. I have to say, this new apartment is like perfect for Tara. I brought incense, so we're doing a smoke cleanse to get all that energy out. The most terrifying thing about the apartment, though, is her stove. It's very tiny. It's very tiny, but guess what? Everything else is. That is true. That but is also, true. I don't like cooking, and it is big enough for me to do the things I need to do. I told her I could, like, lift that thing above my head and throw it out the window. And I told him not to, because then I wouldn't have one. I could also lift her above my head and throw her out the window, too. I would also like you to not do that, because if I'm going to suffer like that, I might as well just, you know, do something that's more fun. She's like, just drown me. Just do, do something that will kill me faster. <laughs> On that note, let's get into this week's speaking podcast. Of, speaking is, of killing people faster. This is Basic Snitches. <laughs> My name's Adam. I'm Tara. And today we are discussing Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Blood Prince. Prince. I was this close to saying the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> I don't know why. And today is the discussion on Chapter 2, Spinner's End. Let's acknowledge our patrons. We've got Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Olivia, Nicole, and Raph as our patrons. Thank you all, as always, for supporting us. You can add yourself to that list at patreon.com slash for as low as $3 a month. This week's exclusive is a little out of the box. Since it's the first time recording at Terry's new home... I have her react to something similar slash about that. I don't really know what else to say without giving away what it actually is. And I like to include a little bit of an element of surprise in these things. So if you want to know what that is, join us at Patreon today. Adam wrote a thing. But. Before we do the thing. (laughs) That's like first time this season. Let's talk about chapter one. The other minister. Yeah. I'm sure you know who the winner and loser of the chapter are. Fudge. I don't know if the winner is Scrimger or the other prime minister. So yes, Fudge uh, obviously loses because he's in the chapter. So it's really hard for him to not lose. I am going to give the win to Scrimger. Mm-hmm. Our first impression of him and also the prime minister's first impression of him is, oh, competence. 
Yes. What a nice change of pace. Yeah. So I'm giving it to him because I don't think he's going to win anymore. <laughs> so he has maybe a shot here or there down the road, but there are probably other better contenders. So we're going to give him this win. It feels appropriate for Fudge to lose on the way out and Scrimger to right? win on the way in. Fucking Fudge. God, I hate that guy. Fucking Fudge. Fuck that guy. Fudge and fuck. So on that note, Adam sent me a thing that he wrote. There it is. <laughs> Adam sent me a thing. It's a picture of my weenie. <laughs> so here we go. This one's dated Thursday, February 17th. <laughs> yeah, I moved it up, if you recall. It's been a while since I've called up the date on here. Narcissa and Bellatrix are walking through the ghetto, and Bellatrix is being really fucking annoying. They're going to Snape's house for a wine and wine. How relatable. Skinny Dick is now Snape's bitch, and he keeps trying to eavesdrop on all the hot tea that's being spilled about Snape being a very good spy. Bellatrix doesn't have two brain cells to rub together and doesn't understand why Snape is being so calculating, except she's too dumb to spell calculating correctly. This is why Barty Crouch Jr. is still the smartest Death Eater. After Snape explains himself, Narcissa begs for him to help Draco. It seems like Voldy has given Draco an assignment that's really fucking difficult. Almost as if it's payback for Lucy getting caught by Aurors. How vindictive for no reason. I can't imagine this somehow backfiring. Anyways, Snape agrees to help Draco with his homework, and they seal it with an unbreakable vow. This homework must be super hard. Moral of the story is that Death Eaters is stupid as fuck. Yeah, I don't understand what they're talking about. What could this special project be that Draco's on? Oh my god. Is he starting macrame? There it is. We figured it out. So we open up the chapter with Bellatrix killing a fox. Which is fucking awful. And I feel like that sets the tone of Bellatrix. Being awful. Acting before thinking, which is kind of like the theme of this chapter for her. Not really thinking things through correctly. It's kind uh, of being a theme a of this too, book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> being a little bit too trigger happy. I feel like she got out of Azkaban, went right to the ministry, got her ass kicked by teenagers... Ran away because Dumbledore showed up, and then she's like, I gotta do more shit. I gotta kill things. She's not gotten it out of her system. Oh, it's almost okay. like she's in withdrawal. I guess that's a way to look at it. What a bitch. As she is kind of chasing, <laughs> I mean, it feels like chasing because they keep referring to her as the other woman's pursuer, which feels like a weird energy for two sisters walking to a guy's house. It feels like Bellatrix is predatory on Narcissa. I don't know if that's intentional, but it definitely makes Bellatrix seem to be a lot more dangerous and Narcissa to feel even more innocent. We will maybe talk about this on like a Patreon, but Olivia King sent me this really interesting TikTok about the theory that Narcissa is not actually Bellatrix's sister Mm. because of how fair she is and how Bellatrix has dark yeah. hair and how all the blacks are not as fair. They're very unfair. Because they're also talking about Andromeda. We meet Andromeda in the seventh book, and I'm trying to remember how she's described. But Lucius and Draco and Narcissa are all, like, blonde and yeah. stuff. So it's very interesting. So that's a fun that thing to talk about true. in the future. Anyway. And we're back. We had to pause because pizza arrived. Yes. And we needed to open a bottle of wine and guess what? An edible kicked in. So you got turbocharged at him right now. We. Okay. You were talking about how. Oh, Bellatrix. Yes. Like, kind of that, that whole thing where it does feel like she's pursuing 
her sister. I wonder if Narcissa was like, I'm going to go talk to Snape and Bellatrix figures it out and is like, oh, no, 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 bitch, you can't do this. And like chases her down and she's like, fine, I guess you can come with me. Probably. Very much something like that, I'm sure, because like why else is Bellatrix there? Because she's annoying as fuck. Yeah, she absolutely is. FYI, when I was trying to remember the word pursuing, if you have ever played The Sims 4, you can... Do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. Go. You can change the walk of your sim, and I kept doing, like, the... <laughs> what's the personality of this sim? The creepy walk? I've never played Sims. Oh. They yeah, walk like that this. looks very creepy. Whenever we play charades next, and I, I get the word pursuing... That's what that means. That's pursuing. Yes. The creepy hand. Which is how Bellatrix feels, absolutely. This is the first time we meet Narcissa, right? Officially, I think? Because she was at the Quidditch World Cup, I'm sure. But it wasn't like, oh, and there was Narcissa, the wife of Lucius. Here's all of her information. Yeah, like, I think we see her briefly, so we, like, have seen her before. But this is the first time we see her do anything besides be attached to Lucy. Yes. And especially, like, acknowledging, okay, this is the sister of Bellatrix. Again, this very well may have happened in the last book when they were, like, looking at the tapestry of the family tree. But it sets them up being sisters in a very strange way, which is interesting. And it was very thick. So, they knock on the door. Who lives here? Snape-a-doodle. Yes. He comes to the door and he's very sassy to Skinny Dick. He is so sassy. He's like, I got a servant. Get over here, Skinny Dick. Bring us drinks. And the fact that he even just says, bring us drinks, not go fetch the elderflower wine. They do mention elven wine or something. But I like the thought of Skinny Dick scampering away and making like margaritas in a blender when they're trying to do like an unbreakable vow. He's like trying to get the blender in the background. Fun moment, master. I'm getting your... A frozen margarita ready. Skinny dick, I'm feeling tequila today. <laughs> I like it's a salty rim. The tequila, no, worm tail. <laughs> Make sure you bring me some limes as well. <laughs> this time, don't forget the salt. <laughs> I don't know. Nape's secretly like a connoisseur of margaritas. He apparates all over the fucking world whenever he gets a chance. That's to, his drink of choice. To drink margaritas from all over the world. He's like, I may be the potions master, but I still like the simple things in life. <laughs> Snape's like, drinks, bitch. And first of all, Narcissa is like, yes, like a an aged oak Chardonnay. Right? And Bellatrix is like, blowjob <laughs> shots. <laughs> she just drinks straight liquor. Like, there's no... Oh, wait. It's like... You're right. Three options. <laughs> blowjob shots. Straight liquor, any kind, Shirley Temple. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like she's one of those assholes who drinks Jägermeister. Probably. Right from the bottle. Right in, friends. Tell us what you think Bellatrix drinks. Alcoholic answers only will be accepted. <laughs> so Skinny Dave makes drinks. Bellatrix is sitting there. And the way that Snape handles Bellatrix, she's already like squirming and like her eyes twitching. And Snape's like, okay, go ahead. Say what you want to say. Let's get it out of the way so we right. don't have to deal with this. She rattles off all those things. Why didn't you clear your powder? Why didn't you bring the Philosopher's Stone to Daddy Voldy? Why blah, blah, blah. All these things. And then he's like, okay, sit down. Here's why. And walks through them one by oh, one. Oh, he sure do. Honey. 
He got his story straight. He just handles it so smoothly. You know he has been waiting for someone to come at him with this. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about his whole lowdown of everything that's happened is not him having an answer for everything, but when he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Voldemort, trust me, you bitch. That's exactly what I was going to say. Or, like, oh, you don't think that I X, Y, Z? Well, your boyfriend does, so... Right? Do your opinion your doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Did Voldy say, we cool? Okay. Yeah. Bye. All Bellatrix is looking for is the quickest answer, the most... It's not even logical. It's just the most obvious, well, you didn't do this, so you must be betraying us or She whatever. is definitely incapable of following logic. She's very focused on one thing. What does Voldemort want? Voldemort wants Harry dead. Okay. This is all we're focusing on. You didn't kill Harry. It's boxed into that little tiny statement. Snape hasn't killed Harry. So that means Snape is wrong. Can you imagine? First day at Hogwarts. They go across the lake in the boats. It's very beautiful. They get in that fucking hall. McGonagall walks away for two seconds. Snape comes in, bang, shoots Harry. Right? What do you think would happen, Bellatrix? That's not going to bring back Voldy either. And I like how Snape keeps saying, like, "Uh, I wasn't in prison and you were. Right, because also, um, I'm glad that I could actually do things. Yeah. It's like, oh, you were so comfortable hanging out at Hogwarts with your nice cushy job. Yeah. And I wasn't in a fucking prison in the middle of nowhere getting, like, my soul attacked by Dementors, you bitch. Exactly. How did it feel getting your pussy eaten by Dementors? Yeah, and I, like, got to eat regular meals and sleep in a bed and not have Dementors attacking me. So, sucks to suck, bitch. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is the most, I need to choose my word carefully here because I don't want to say badass because it's not badass. I mean, I guess I said in my thing, it's calculated. He's so perfectly calculated in his responses. Like you said, he was waiting for this. He had to have this conversation with Voldemort as he explained. The one moment where I kind of stray from that is, I mean, it's the moment that we all knew was coming. Where all of a sudden he starts answering that, oh, I didn't kill Harry question because of what we had just discussed. And then he's like, don't worry about Harry, though. He's a fucking loser and he's so full of himself, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, the vendetta against Harry. And so what I wrote down, and I think maybe it's because we are so far in the series now. And believe it or not, we are approaching the end of the series, too, is looking at flaws. Mm-hmm. And when we see Snape through the lens of the first five books, even when he's doing good things. It's easy to see, well, he's a fucking asshole because all they focus on is this flaw. Among other things, among him not being as uh, forgiving as of a teacher, etc. And then here, where it's kind of removed from that, you see, okay, he's knowing his shit, and the moment he brings up Harry and how much he has this vendetta against Harry, it's like, okay, we're back. Exactly. It is, in a way, his fatal flaw... I mean, it's he adjacent, was, well, I suppose. You could argue that his choices are actually the catalyst for the entire trajectory of this series. Yeah. If we say that this series starts in October of 81, when James and Lily are murdered, then that means that Voldemort killing them started everything off. Well, what caused Voldemort to kill them? Snape telling him about what he overheard. Which obviously we get that answer in this book and more than in the seventh book. And so, yeah, Voldemort's been an asshole for more years than that and killing people. But the trajectory of this story comes from 
Snape making that choice to tell Voldemort this because of his obsession, because I don't believe it's love, with Lily. I think that there's an argument that that is actually the catalyst for this whole particular story. Also, speaking of like this book and some of the themes that I expect to see, it is following along like a historical timeline. It is interesting to go back and look at that, especially when we are starting off this book in such a peculiar way, which we kind of talked about last episode, but now that we're three chapters and I like it. Oh yeah, it's even if it's not people's favorite book, this is the best written book in the series. Yeah, of course, this is the next episode. But the fact that we don't get Harry's of the Dursleys until chapter three, and they come out of this huge historical event for the Wizarding World, and they start off with, let's talk about politics and how this is being impacted, and then what's brewing underneath, and is a huge foreshadowing of what happens in this book. It's incredible. So far, the way that they are building those blocks is very, very nice. So what I will say about this is this is one of my favorite Snape scenes in the entire series. Yeah. It might be my favorite Snape scene in the entire up series. Up to this point, I think it's definitely Oh, it's the definitely best. the best one up to this point. <laughs> that being said, Snape falling back on his Harry is garbage bullshit is just a reminder that even when Snape is doing something right and something good, just because you're doing a thing that is not bad doesn't mean it's the right thing. His continual shitting on Harry, I do not understand what purpose that serves at all right now with these Especially two bitches. Here's the thing, Narcissa couldn't care less. Right, so are you like placating Bellatrix? Bellatrix wants him dead. She's right. like, I don't care if he's a loser or if he's right. killed himself. It's you know? very clear that Snape cannot let go of that. I want to say this now because we're having a good Snape moment. And I will say this again in the seventh book. I hate that Harry names Albus Severus. I know. Them. This, I that being said, I believe that Sherry's, that the author's way. Who's Sherry? Sherry. That's what we're calling the author now. Sherry. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. That is a dramatic shift to the rules. No. We need to, like, memorize. No. We need we're to commemorate this. We're just going to call that creature whatever comes out of our mouths. Okay. Um, well, you, you might so be walking Sherry into a right storm now. with me. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Call that bitch whatever. I may have said this before, and I will say it again. I think that Harry naming his second child, Albus Severus, was the author's way of showing that Harry had forgiven Snape. I think so, too. And I think that that is the only redeeming thing about that choice because it's so fucking annoying. Anyone who's read fan fiction, please give me the fan fiction that covers those 19 years. I don't read Harry Potter fan fiction. But we will if you pay us. I mean, I might read something good, but I want that one. And I'm sure there are hundreds of them. There probably are, yeah. That is the thing that just drives me fucking crazy. But for me as a reader, and I think other people like this too... You want to just justify the storyline even when things don't make sense because you need it to make sense for yourself so you can enjoy it better. So I read this shit and I'm like, that's first of all a terrible name. Second, Snape sucks. This must be the way of showing that Harry has forgiven these men for what they've put him through. Probably. So sure, fine. Have you seen the thing, and maybe it was a TikTok or something that I sent you or you sent me, where it was like the alternative reality where he names his second child Harry Potter Jr. Yeah. And he's like, Harry Potter Jr., you're named after the most brave, amazing man that's ever lived. Me. 
yeah. <laughs> like that's a little it's bit so more accurate. It's a little more accurate. It's also probably what is going through Snape's mind of the future. But right, Snape is like if Harry Potter ever has a child, he's going to name him after himself because he's so full of himself. He and Ginny are going to have so many babies, and it's going to be Harry Potter one, Harry Potter two. <laughs> Harry Potter that's pretty much what it is. Well, then we switch from Bellatrix to Narcissa. There is a moment before we get to Narcissa where they talk about Dumble hasn't injured me. They're like, oh, I don't worry too much about Dumble. He's getting old. He just got a hip replaced. He's on his feet. He's recovery is slow, man. Yeah. Also, his hand is really fucked up. (laughs) It doesn't actually say his hand, but... I am assuming that's what he's referring to. Yes. Yeah. Because he is there. Yes. That happens. It's like foreshadowing within the foreshadowing. So yes, we switch our attention from Bellatrix to Narcissa. And we learn, of course, that Lucy is in jail, getting ringed by all those big, beefy wizard hooligans. They're like, look at you. Look at this little twinkly dinkly. Mm. <laughs> so fresh. I mean, also, like, Lucy is, he's a snack. Let's be honest. Literally. He's a snack because he's so little and tiny and petite. Lucy's in jail, but here we are with, I mean, Snape and Narcissa, obviously, they weren't at the Ministry of Magic, but Bellatrix was. And so I'm thinking, okay, is Lucy in jail and Bellatrix didn't go back because, first of all, she's closer, technically, and probably physically, to Voldemort. Or is it because, well, sort of the same thing, Lucy is just more of a public figure. You know, he's a quote-unquote philanthropist. I think that's probably it. Like, I would imagine that if Lucius went to jail, the other ones that the kids could name were hunted down or attempted to be hunted down. Where is he going to go? Also, if Lucius is fucking full of himself enough to think that the law can't touch him. I thought you were going to say Lucius is fucking... A lot of men behind Narcissa's back. <laughs> also that. <laughs> but because Fudge dealt with him before, Fudge was like, yeah, whatever. Fudge fucked Lucy too. <laughs> he was able to get away with so much shit before, so he probably didn't even try. And yeah. then, just kidding, because Fudge ain't in charge no more, bitch. You wow. gotta go to jail. How can we apply that to current events? <laughs> this is August 12th. Guess what was happening in Florida recently? <laughs> Let's sip some wine. Clinkity dinkity. <laughs> Duly executed. Yes. Finally, the tides have turned. So I thought about that. And then, of course, we get into the whole smoke and mirrors of Voldemort put Draco up to... And actually, I'm kind of surprised that they give away so much, but Voldemort put Draco up to this project. It's a major deal. Narcissa thinks that it's in order to, like, get payback for fucking up the shit at the ministry. Which, to my question is, how is he getting Bellatrix back? Because Bellatrix was more responsible than anybody for fucking shit up at the ministry. But she killed Sirius, so whoop de doo Well, I will say that choosing Draco, I don't think that was his plan. Really? I think Draco is very easily influenced by his father. He's made it very clear that he is totally down to do Death Eater shit. And I think that he was like, I can have a student here. I can have Draco try to kill Dumbledore. It's funny because there have been times when I've read this and I was like, this really could play that Snape just knew enough to make this moment happen and doesn't actually know what the plan is, but obviously Snape does know what the yeah. plan is. But it, it's very cool the way that it's set up that it could be like, 
he's just so much fucking smarter than Bellatrix that right. th- there's no because contest. Because, let me make sure, here, here I am about to spoil the whole book in the second chapter, but what is happening here, I mean, we all know it, because that motherfucker who spoiled it when the book came out, that Drake was being set up to kill Dumbledore. Yes. But Snape... <clears throat> Obviously, he's the one who steps in and does it, thus this unbreakable vow. And he is doing it because Dumbledore instructed him to, because Dumbledore knows about this, and he's like, well, I'm dying because my jerk-off hand is not fucked up. <laughs> this is how I die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, the added, there were so many spoilers, so sorry, friends, but not that sorry. You got the desire to this point. Yeah, they know, they know, they know. <laughs> you know, it's also that he doesn't want Draco to be tarnished with murder which is also a very interesting thing that i'm excited to unpack later on in this book because draco is low-key one of the most interesting characters in the series but also someone i want to set on fire so hey just like his father just like a little tiny impressionable twink that's really what it is voldemort was like okay i can use this child Ooh. oh <laughs> <laughs> Since already this episode is about everybody fucking everybody else. <laughs> That's not what we meant. We're not that kind of podcast, okay? It's good to bring that up because it's so, like, veiled in mystery, but... That's basically it, is that Snape is playing this off knowing the Dumbledore side of things. I mean, you can't really blame Narcissa either, because she's just being a worried mother... And to her, I mean, the book sold it very well to us. Well done, Shelley. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to say her name. Was it Shelley? I hope it was Shelley. It, it wasn't, was Shelley. which is even better. Oh. It was Sherry. <laughs> Sherry. Oh, no. Shelley. Now it's Shelley. It's just going to be whatever the fuck Was it Shelley it. Winters or was it Shelley Lewis? Sherry. Sherry. Whoa. Hold on. Shelley Winters, Sherry Lewis. That's what it is. I'm high. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> it's very believable the way that it's written that, yes, Voldemort is doing this for revenge, and we've seen that out of him, too. Yeah. So, why wouldn't Narcissa believe that it's out of revenge, right. either? Maybe it is. I feel like more than that, it's like, okay, opportunity. That Well, yeah, there's that, too. A lot of opportunists in this book, especially on the bad side. Then they talk about making the unbreakable bet. Yeah. At the same time, during all of this, Bellatrix in the corner being a weird teenage girl. Well, oh yeah, see? The Voldemort doesn't want you to tell, Narcissa. <laughs> and Snape has this grown-up moment of, all right, well, let's do an unbreakable vow. He's admonishing Narcissa for talking about it. He's, and then he says, it might be possible for me to help Draco. And she says, would you help him? Would you look after him? See, he comes to no harm. And he says, I can try. And that's when she says, if you were there to protect him, Severus, will you swear it? Will you make the unbreakable vow? Narcissa says it. Yes. Snape's expression was blank, unreadable. Bellatrix, however, let out a cackle of triumphant laughter. Aren't you listening, Narcissa? Oh, he'll try, I'm sure. That's Bellatrix thinking that he is just full of shit. Yeah. The whole chapter, you know how desperate Narcissa is to keep her son safe. She knows that if Snape fails, he will die. That is the penalty for breaking an unbreakable vow. So Snape, correct me if I'm wrong, is like, okay, cool. You don't think I'm going to be accountable? Let's do an unbreakable vow, and we're going to do it with your wand. Yeah. That's the power. Certainly, Narcissa, I shall make the unbreakable vow. Perhaps your sister will consent to be our bonder, because the bonder should be someone else. Yeah. They're not going to ask Skinny Dick. Right. He's too busy cleaning out the magic bullet. Hold on. We have to talk about something. From Margarita. 
for margaritas. Yes. They're good margaritas. If Skinny Dick made them, they probably weren't. Right. Well, maybe that's his only skill in life. You know how much I hate Snape? How triumphant do you think Snape feels having one of his bullies now literally licking the dirt off his boots? I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. Skinny Dick was a marauder. Mm -hmm. He's fooling around Hogwarts with his three BFFs. Two of which are bullies. Mm -hmm. There's a level of bullying to not stepping up Lupin and being there, probably skinny dick, because I'm sure he wasn't clever or fun enough to actually come up with good pranks. But he was there. Like, he's technically one of Snape's bullies. How nice for Snape. That is a good point. I didn't think of that. That was one of the fuckers who made his school years miserable. And now he got him making him margaritas. You're going to be so mad at my game. Why? Because it's fuck, Mary kill. My game next episode is not fuck, Mary kill, but I was this close to making it because it's like a return to the classics. This is a return to people we fucking hate. Okay. So here we go. Fuck, Mary kill the three people in this chapter that we want to set on fire. So not Narcissa. Not Narcissa. Okay. I think this is easier than... It is very easy. In the context of the chapter especially, I'm going to marry Snape, because at least he has a house, even though it's in the ghetto. He's still, you know, he's a mortgage. He got a house. Yes. And, well, of course, we'll get into the movie in a minute, and it's ugly from the outside. There's no group of people on this bitch, but (laughs) he lives in a library. And description in the books. Yes, because the movie, fairly accurate, I think. I'm going to fuck Bellatrix, because you know she knows what he's doing. Give Boldy an evil spawn, so. Yeah. There's no fucking way in a million years that I am going to fuck or marry Skinny Dick. Yep, the same. Same answers. Also, sorry for the first child's spoiler. It's okay. It's... Did you expect anything here to be done with any sort of respect? Yeah, we're assholes. We had to fast forward a little bit. It was after the first ad on HBO+. Plus. Yeah. In the book, it feels like it's more of a rundown neighborhood than in the movie, but it's fairly plain. It's also like pouring down rain. I feel like they do that in movies just to be like, this place sucks rain. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to be like... This is like a scene that has some gloominess to it. But I like that too. I feel like that's a universal way that Hollywood is like, this is how we show this sucks extra hard. Yeah. You see a veiled skinny dick come to the window. I know, and you're like, ugh. Adam was like, like, ew. Ew, gross. Sorry, Timothy Spall, who apparently is also a super lovely person. That's I'm like, great. of fucking course you are, but you are playing Wormtail and he's disgusting. Yeah. So Wormtail is the butler. I go in this library. Narcissus looking very classy with that glass of wine. Also, Snape is just chilling. He's, he's like, like reading the paper. He's like, oh, okay, you're in my home now. He's like reading the paper all casual. And mm. like, it's really funny. Skinny Dick is standing in the doorway and Snape's like, get the fuck out of here, you piece of shit. He literally just like uses his wand and slams the door and shoves him out. It's great. Oh, and then Bellatrix is touching things. He's like, we don't touch things that aren't ours. Keep your hands to yourself. Now, the thing that I'm about to refer to happens before this in the movie, but sort of after this in the book. We'll get to it in the next episode, but you had said when you were watching it that they're already like setting up, this is the hormones book, or this is the hormones year, yeah. or whatever. Well, it also is here in this scene where in the book, Bellatrix is a stupid crazy bitch. She really is. In the movie, she's sexy and mean. She like does this like breathy speaking leaning over Snape's shoulder and she's like will you make an unbreakable fire? 
Yes. That's a Helena Bonham Carter thing. She's so ridiculous. I want to say that we were talking about this in the fifth book about how they told her she had to fucking tone it down with her I'm fucking in love with the Dark Lord shit. Right. That's just what she does. And we love Helena Bonham Carter. Like, but the character is also written to be very horny in the movies. Yeah. I was like, maybe she's not that horny. She'd be all over Snape. Yes, and there's not she at all, hates. like, there's none of that. Here's the thing. What Snape says and what Narcissa say in the scene, which is really what matters. That stuff, I think, is very true to the book. I was even like, okay, like, yeah. some of it is straight out of the chapter. Then we get to Bellatrix, who is just, like, flitting around the room being eerie. And then, like you said, yeah. she licks the side of Snape's face and is like... <laughs> Let's she doesn't quite do that, that, but I feel like she's about to. And then to. she sticks fingers up his butt. And then she's like, I'll do it. And it's like, that's not <laughs> what happens in the book. Right? She doesn't want this to happen. You're she like, doesn't trust him. Alan Rickman is like, so then there was that one time I filmed this scene from the sixth Harry Potter movie with Helena Bottom Carter. And she basically sexually assaulted me. Yes, like, I was violated. <laughs> But, you know, we all kind of want to be violated by Helena Bottom Carter, so well, it's fine. Well, I suppose. And that's why she was cast in this role. Because they were like, we're going to make her sick. I mean, she's hot as fuck. I she mean, is. I still wouldn't do it. Because I know there's a gaping chasm underneath that robe. Uh, I'm just saying. I would make out with that bitch. And you know Bellatrix's chasm is gaping. Not not Helena's, just Bellatrix's. Bellatrix's. Did I say Helena's? No, but I was just, you know, making Ooh. that clarification that we love Helena. Yes, I thought at first second it was the edible making me confused again. Well, that also is possible. Yeah. The Unbreakable Vow, like, the magic of it looks kind of cool. Yeah. Overall, for the movie, other than Bellatrix being a complete horn dog, <laughs> I think it's pretty damn good. And, and the fact that it's in the wrong place, too. But. Yeah. It's a bit odd, but it also is effective enough to get to that part of the story without changing it in a way that it affects the story. Yeah. So, yeah. Helen McCroy. She is amazing. She's beautiful. She's so young. Yeah, she was so young she when really she died, is. so that's really sad. And that's our only time that we get to really spend with her until the seventh movie. Yeah, which is insane. Um, I mean, she's got some pretty badass scenes, doesn't she? We love her. Yes. Very straightforward. Plus 10 to Snape and Narcissa because they're the adults in the room. Negative 10 to Skinny Dick because he's there. Negative 20 to Bellatrix because she's like the bitch. Very simple. Yeah. I was somewhat close to being like, hmm, should I give points to some of the people that they were mentioning, like Emmeline Vance, but I'm like, I already gave her five points because she died. Then that's like, justice for Amelia Bones. Give Amelia Bones all the points. Who actually, after she died, she named her first name to Apila. Next time, we will be discussing chapter, chapter three. three. Will and won't. Yeah. Oof. I forgot the name of that chapter because it makes no damn sense. I mean, it does when you read the chapter. Will and won't. I mean, I read the chapter. Did we read the same chapter? Yeah. Will and won't. Maybe I am, like, thrown off because I expect it to be, like, Will and Wanda. Oh, like, I think Wanda. Will is the name of a name. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. She played Wanda and she tried to fuck me on stage. And then in the next show, she tried... She just tried to and succeeded kissing me. <laughs> I just basically assault Adam on stage. And this is why honest. I quit theater. It's actually my fault. On that note, we'll see you next time, host. Bye! Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. 
join our social media pages facebook instagram i never update twitter but we have that we do also email basic snitches at gmail.com we also now have a website basic snitches.com and a patreon patreon.com slash basic snitches join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes Taryn Telegra, dance bitch I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!